Good afternoon. Here is our latest update on COVID-19 in Pennsylvania. As of 12 a.m. this morning, we have 980 new cases of COVID-19. This brings our statewide total to 65,392 Pennsylvanians who have tested positive for COVID-19 in all 67 counties. This includes 4,871 positive cases in healthcare workers and 14,113 positive cases among residents of 570 long-term care living facilities, which include nursing homes and personal care homes. Tragically, 4,869 Pennsylvanians have died from COVID-19. We continue to increase testing capability statewide with nearly 300 testing locations. In the last 24 hours, more than 13,000 Pennsylvanians were tested for COVID-19. I want to take time today to recognize our healthcare workers and first responders who are on the front line of this pandemic. Our doctors, our nurses, police, fire, and EMS professionals are working tirelessly to help those who are sick with COVID-19. This week, in fact, is nationally recognized as EMS Week. The Department of Health is actually the lead agency for emergency medical services in Pennsylvania. Our Bureau of Emergency Medical Services is responsible for the statewide development and coordination of a comprehensive system to prevent and reduce premature death and disability. There are over 42,000 certified EMS personnel and more than 1,000 licensed ground and air agencies in the Commonwealth. These personnel and agencies respond to over 1 million requests for service each year. Our EMS providers are responsible for providing care to patients between home and hospital. This means dealing with patients with serious health concerns, of course, including COVID-19, and effectively treating and managing those conditions. Today, I want to sincerely thank EMS providers who serve across the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. They play a crucial part in making sure that Pennsylvania is a healthy and vibrant place to live. As our EMS providers and all of our medical and first responder heroes work to take care of our needs. I want to emphasize how important it is for these workers to also care for themselves. Responding to an infectious disease outbreak, a global pandemic such as COVID-19 is extremely challenging work. Our essential workers are working longer shifts, taking more shifts, and they're working in facilities that are seeing more patients that, that pass away from COVID-19. Some workers cannot even spend time with their families. It's very challenging. It is imperative that those working to fight the pandemic take the time to focus on their health as well, including their mental health. Physical symptoms of stress can include fatigue and low energy, headaches, abdominal pain, tense muscles, other aches and pains, chest pain, rapid heartbeat, insomnia, among other symptoms. Recognizing these symptoms of stress can help you cope with it as you continue to respond to the pandemic. 
taking breaks throughout the day, eating healthy foods and exercising as much as you can, can also help decrease stress. It's also important to know that if you need help, please ask for it. Many workplaces have been implementing internal support groups or buddy systems for their employees who are struggling. These resources are a way for employees to support one another and monitor each other's stress level, their workload, and their safety. If you need mental health resources because you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, please contact the crisis text line by texting PA to 741741 or call the statewide support and referral helpline at 1-855-284-2494. Again, 1-855-284-2494. And remember, if you are feeling overwhelmed, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay not to be okay. Now here are my daily reminders. Please wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds or the time it takes to sing happy birthday twice. Use hand sanitizer if soap and water are not available. Cover any coughs or sneezes with your elbow, not with your hands. Please don't touch your face, especially after touching surfaces and clean surfaces frequently. If you have to go out for life-sustaining activities, please wear a mask if you're going to come into contact with others. If you have questions about your health, please contact your health care provider. And for the most reliable information related to Pennsylvania's response to COVID-19, please visit our website at health.pa.gov. And what is always most important for Pennsylvanians to remember is stay calm, stay home, and stay safe. And now I'm pleased to answer questions. Thank you, Secretary. First, from CBS3, is the state following CDC guidelines for reopening? Provide an example, or if not, why not? Well, the CDC guidelines actually um, were just um, just released. They had been uh, somewhat redacted and then withheld by the federal government, and they were just released, and we're reviewing them. I, I think that overall we are certainly following the tenor of the phased guidelines. I'm not sure if we're following each um, each level the way they described it, but we are following the general principles of their guidelines. But again, they were just released this week. From the Philadelphia Inquirer, a Delaware County barber shop opened in defiance of state orders. The owner said she would not have to do this if her employees had received government relief. She also said barbers are trained in infection control. Do you have a response to her decision to reopen? And will action be taken or licenses revoked for barber shops that reopen against your orders? Well, so it's hard for me to talk about that individual circumstance, which I hadn't heard of before. Uh, but we're recommending that barbers and hairstylists and, uh, and other professionals where it's hands-on care, massage therapists would be another, uh, do not open until we are able to get to the, the green zone. It's not that they can't follow infection control principles and they can't keep their, their clients six feet apart, et cetera, and I'm sure they can wear masks. But by definition, it, their, their, their care, their professional care is hands-on to a person's hair or their beard uh, uh, for a barber, perhaps, or for a massage therapist. And so uh, that type of personal contact could transmit COVID-19. And until an area is in the green zone, we're concerned about it precipitating community spread. 
Six ABC is asking about this same facility. Um, the facility said they're taking precautions, temperature checks, social distancing. Why isn't enough? And when these places finally do open, what guidelines do you see in place for them? No blow drying, well, spacing, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. I know that there are CDC uh, guidelines that we'd want them to follow, and we would want them to follow all of those different um, measures for social distancing that you just described. We want them to wear masks. We want them to keep um, uh, to keep uh, patrons and and other clients six feet apart. Um, but. There's no way to do social distancing if you're cutting someone's hair or doing or styling their hair or shaving a beard or performing being uh, massaged as a massage therapist would do. And so uh, that type of personal contact in areas that still have significant community spread would be of concern. Remember, many people have COVID-19, but they are asymptomatic or they're only very mildly symptomatic and they don't know it. And that's often how it spreads. From PBS 39, what other details could you give regarding the first pediatric death in the state? Was it a coronavirus case or a PMIS case? And how old was the child and where did it occur? Well, so I can't give specific details about uh, about some of the demographics of the of the of the patient who passed away, but there was a pediatric patient. This was a case of COVID-19. It was not a case of the multi-inflammatory syndrome that has been described. Uh, and the, in the, the the patient, the child was not a resident of Pennsylvania. And then does the state have data on PMIS cases statewide? Uh, we are gathering data about, about those cases. Um, and so uh, there are uh, two confirmed cases of, of this multi-inflammatory syndrome. There are other uh, suspected cases, but they haven't been confirmed. And they're being cared for by our excellent hospitals and particularly our children's hospitals. From Penn Live, what does the governor think about a proposed bill that would allow outdoor seating at restaurants operating in the yellow phase of the state's COVID reopening plan? And would this be feasible if restaurants follow safety guidelines? Well, I'll uh, let the governor speak for himself. I believe that there is a press briefing coming up. And so I'll let the governor describe his own feelings. From WEEU, Secretary Levine, it was one year ago today, Pennsylvania declared a hepatitis A outbreak. How is the curve flattened and is it possible we could see a COVID, we could see COVID being dramatically minimized at this time next year? Well, that's a very interesting question. Uh, and so we did see a hepatitis A outbreak uh, and we worked with our uh, county municipal health departments as well as our fantastic community health nurses uh, to, to work on stemming uh, that outbreak. Uh, the difference is, is that there is a very safe and effective vaccine for hepatitis A and by, uh, by immunizing people, we were able to, to work on preventing that spread. Uh, as we all know, there is no vaccine for COVID-19 at this time. I know that there's a lot of work uh, through the federal government and at many, um, at many uh, companies and academic institutions to produce a vaccine. And when there is a safe and effective vaccine for COVID-19, um, as we work out, out the distribution of that, I believe that we will be able to then stem uh, the outbreak of COVID-19. From Spotlight PA, how closely did you work with lawmakers on the companion bills that would be appropriate, uh, or that would appropriate the $500 million to nursing homes and long-term care facilities? Um, so as a cabinet member, I usually do not comment upon um, legislation that's pending in the House of Representatives or the Senate. So I'll leave those discussions to the governor's office and the governor's legislative office.
From WGAL, can you explain in detail the data problem yesterday? What are you doing to prevent this from happening again to, uh, in the future? Mm -hmm. So this was an information technology computer problem, um, and uh, the um, IT uh, uh, professionals who work for the Office of Administration fixed it, and we're back running with NEDS, and I'm sure they'll do everything possible to prevent it from happening again. Also from WGAL, According to the three-day case trajectory data on the DOH website, it shows the region seeing upticks in cases in the northwest, north central, and southwest regions that are in yellow. Does this give you any pause, and does it mean that community spread will become more common as counties transition to yellow? Mm -hmm. So we're watching all of those trajectories really, really closely, and we're very pleased to put them on the website so that people can, can, can look at them. Remember, it's only three days <coughs> worth of data. And so there are seven-day projections on the website as well, and uh, we're looking at all of that data. Um, some of the, uh, the upticks we are aware about because it might be through a congregate setting facility, uh, but others we're investigating today. Um, there is no indication that any of those counties um, uh, would have to go from yellow to red, but we're going to watch all of that really carefully. That is where it's really important uh, in terms of our testing and our uh, case investigations and our contact tracing that we've been discussing. From PBS 39, Carbon County goes into the yellow zone tomorrow, surrounded by red counties. Because natural areas like Lehigh George and downtown areas such as Jim Thorpe are tourist destinations, how concerned are you about an increased risk of, I'm sorry, increased risk of infection from travel in and out of Carbon County? Well, it's one of the things that we look about, uh, look at really closely. The Carnegie Mellon model has has different um, aspects of looking at transit through through counties, um, and so we of course want people in red counties uh, to please stay home and not to be out and about and not to be going sightseeing uh, at all. We don't really want people uh, to travel long distances, um, uh, especially from red zones or into red zones. But we're going to watch the data in Carbon County really carefully as we're watching all the counties. And then PS39 uh, also asks, you're recommending people don't go to the Jersey Shore. Are you also recommend people don't take a day trip into the yellow zones? Well, I, I think that especially for people in the red zones, we, um, as we've been saying over and over again, we want people to stay home. Now, if the weather is nice this weekend, going outside uh, in, your, in, in your immediate area uh, is fine. If you're going to be with other, uh, in contact with other people, please wear a mask and please practice social distancing. But we're really not recommending that people take long trips, including trips, as the governor has talked about, to the Jersey Shore. From Penn Live. Do you have an update on what criteria will be used to move counties into the green phase? And also, do you have any new information on the number of recoveries in the state? Mm -hmm. So we are working at both, uh, that, uh, both of those pieces of information, and we'll have data very shortly. Also from Penn Live, do you expect Governor Wolf to move more counties into the yellow phase tomorrow? Additionally, is there hope for Dauphin and Lancaster counties based on the current data? Well, we're looking at the data today, and we will uh, discuss it am among our team, and then we'll be making recommendations to the governor. The governor will make his decisions. From WKOK, the CDC has released guidelines for restaurants, bars, and schools on how to reopen. Have you seen these? And if so, how will Pennsylvania incorporate those when we go green? Well, we, we have seen those. Uh, again, they were only released, released this week. And as we release the metrics to go into the green zone, we're also working on what life in the green zone would like, especially for businesses, restaurants, et cetera. 
from WKOK. For dentists, what are now the acceptable and approved activities? We know emergencies are, but can you clarify what else? Well, so acceptable activities in yellow and red zones would include um, acute urgent issues. So someone might have a, a very bad toothache. Maybe they, maybe they have a cavity. Uh, I'm just giving you an example. And so that's not an emergency, but it's it's acute, and, and uh, we would want that to be taken care of. What we're not recommended is sort of the routine cleanings that, that, that take place at dental offices, just routine examinations where you have your visit every six months. That in the, uh, in the red and yellow zones is not recommended. That would be for green zones. From WESA, the CDC says the novel coronavirus does not appear to spread easily through objects and surfaces. Does this change any of the guidance for businesses and individuals? Well, I've just seen that report. Um, that's new in the last uh, couple of days. So we're going to be examining that, look at the data for which that is based on, and then we'll consider if there need to be any changes. We still want people to be very cautious, still clean surfaces, make sure you wash your hands, everything I talk about in the daily reminders. Also from WESA, the Atlantic is reporting that the state of Pennsylvania is mixing the results of viral and antibody tests in the reported totals for coronavirus test results. Is this true? And if so, why is it appropriate to mix these results together as these tests analyze two different things? Mm -hmm. So uh, when we give you our total count, there are some uh, uh, some of that uh, those individuals that are, have positive antibody tests. Um, and But in our own internal data and what we can put on the website, we have confirmed cases and probable cases. Uh, the antibody tests are considered a probable case, not a confirmed case. Uh, if they get tested for the virus and they test positive, then they could move to confirmed case. If they test negative, then they wouldn't be included at all. What's very important to note is we only use the count of confirmed cases when we're looking at any metrics in terms of counties going from red to yellow or yellow to green or any other, any other transition. And we'll make sure that it's all very clear on our website so it is included, but then we're also separating it out for clarity. From WTAE, um, in regards to the CDC guidance about objects and surfaces, what advice do you give in relation to this? And for example, would you say that people should continue wiping down all grocery items that they bring into their home? Um, I think that I would continue to do everything that people have been doing uh, to keep themselves safe from COVID-19 until we learn more about that data, about the studies that that data was, was based upon and give it some more time. I, I would continue everything as we have been doing and stay cautious about this, this very contagious respiratory virus. From the Daily Press, earlier this week it was announced that the Northeast Amateur Regional Championship, a multi-day motocross racing event drawing thousands of people, both as participants and spectators from a variety of states, would be held from June 5th through 7th at High Point Raceway in Mount Morris, Pennsylvania, which is in Greene County. Why is the state allowing such events as this to be held, but youth baseball or softball games inv involving 20 to 30 people is prohibited. I'm actually not aware of, of that event, so we'll have to uh, check with the governor's office and check on the validity of that report. From WNEP, over the past few weeks, the state has urged healthcare providers to take advantage of the Batelli system that cleans N95 respirator masks for reuse. The company has claimed that the system's allows the N95 mask to be used up to 20 times. But a news report out yesterday cites scientists and nurses who say, excuse me, 
who say the masks begin to degrade just after two to three cleanings. What advice do you have you given or would you give to healthcare providers in Pennsylvania regarding the use of this system? Well, uh, the, the system comes very highly touted in terms of cleaning the N95 masks. We've also all had, um, uh, you know, we know a lot of difficulty obtaining the N95 masks. Um, and so I have not seen this report, but we'll be checking on it. From the Daily Press, our county is currently in the yellow phase of reopening with less than 10 total cases of COVID-19. Local leaders are saying they sent a letter to the governor asking to partner with the state to set metrics for moving to green, but have not yet received a response. Is the state open to working with community leaders to set such policies? Why or why not? Well, we're always willing to discuss uh, discuss our metrics and, and our reasoning with community leaders. I'm not aware of this uh, of this letter, but we're working on those metrics and we'll have them completed very soon. Um, and then we'll be making our determinations. But we're always pleased to have discussions. From WNEP, do you have any response to the concerns that the Department of Health ordered long-term care facilities to readmit stable COVID-19 patients who were discharged from hospitals? Critics of that move have said that it contributed to the spread of the virus in nursing homes. So uh, we've, we've done a very deep dive in, in, in terms of that. So that, that guidance actually has come from the federal government. It came from the CDC. There was very specific guidance about, um, about uh, patients in terms of nursing homes and long-term care living facilities, also from CMS. Uh, and if they had to be hospitalized due to COVID-19 and then having to go back to the same facility. So a number of different things are important to remember. Like that was federal guidance. It's the same guidance that, that uh, almost all other states have followed followed, um, including Pennsylvania. Uh, and the, for the vast majority of those patients, they contracted the COVID-19 in the facility. It, because they got sicker, they were transferred to the hospital. And then when they were better, transferred back to their home, which is the facility, with significant guidance about, uh, about cohorting them to avoid infecting other patients. So um, I, I, at the same time, there were significant concerns about overwhelming the hospitals and making sure that uh, patients uh, could just stay in the hospital because we would need those hospital beds. So I have no uh, questions or concerns about, about the initial guidance. Uh, we are continuing to look at all of our guidance and, and to see if anything needs to change. But that was the federal guidance at the time, which we followed. The Philadelphia Inquirer asks, please explain why the state will not release the names and locations of food processors with coronavirus outbreaks and the number of cases and deaths associated with each one. Mm -hmm. So we have been giving the congregate data uh, on that. Of course, though, they are licensed by the Department of Agriculture, not the, the Department of Health. I'm not specifically aware of their regulations. Um, so we can have those discussions, but at this time, we're not releasing those specifics. From WBRE, there have been questions raised about the data reported on the number of COVID-19 cases and deaths at nursing and personal care homes. The owner of a Luzerne County personal care home says his facility had no COVID-19 cases or deaths, yet it was reported that the facility had between one in five cases and one in five deaths. They insist it was not true. They want to know where did the DOH get, obtain that information. Plus, they said they never spoke to any state health officials. 
Also, a DOH representative did respond via email admitting the information was incorrect and said data would be removed. However, the information remained on the state website as late as this morning. Well, so yesterday we weren't able to update the website because we uh, didn't get the data report. Uh, so that information currently comes from NEDS and that, that our usual data reporting system. I had heard that there were a few errors uh, on the Monday, the first report we put out. Those have all been fixed. We could not put out a report yesterday, but today we have. Um, and that data will any any errors will be uh, will be will be corrected in the future the goal is that we'll be putting out that data from the surveys that we have requested from the long-term care living facilities to be consistent with the uh, CMS data all that data will be the same as the CMS will be reporting uh, to date um, not all the facilities have been sending us that data although it, it was just requested as of Sunday when we get a full report we'll be putting that out also from WBRE, what information or data is most crucial when the state considers requests from counties such as Luzerne County when they are attempting a transition from the red phase to the yellow phase before June 4th? Well, there are many metrics that we've been looking at. We've discussed this extensively. We are looking at incidence rates, how many cases per capita, how many cases per 100,000, and there are new cases per 100,000, not their previous cases, but how many new cases over two-week period per 100,000. That's called an incidence rate. So we've been looking at that. We've been looking at, at the model that's been put out from the Carnegie Mellon University, uh, and that gets placed on our website. We look at the trajectory animations that have just been discussed, and we uh, look at that website. We look at their hospital capacity and their ICU capacity. We look at uh, the capacity uh, for the system to be able to do uh, contact tracing and the laboratory testing. And so all of that goes into our decisions of, of how counties transition. From the Associated Press, in all of May, the state has reported the results of about 141,000 tests. The governor wants weekly testing of every resident and employee of a long-term care facility, amounting to at least 135,000 tests per week. How are you going to accomplish such wide-scale testing in nursing homes, considering that statewide testing is nowhere near that level? Mm -hmm. Well, we're doing much better in terms of our statewide testing. Today, we announced, again, that we had 13,000 tests. That's almost double the number of tests even done a number of weeks ago. So our testing capacity is increasing significantly. We have already started in terms of the testing of the long-term care living facilities but approximately a couple weeks ago with some pilot programs. We announced it last week, and we're working on it this week. We're going to prioritize certain facilities that are significantly impacted and then be looking to test all of the patients and all of the staff throughout the state. The testing capacity is there to do that. We're going to be working with those facilities about how to obtain those specimens and whether they can obtain the specimens, whether they need help, and how we would be able to provide that. And all that is proceeding as we speak. From WTAE, Tomorrow, Beaver County moves into the yellow phase, making it the last county in southwest Pennsylvania to do so. What would you say about that move and how things are going in southwest western Pennsylvania, as all other counties there have already been in the yellow phase? Um, at our last look at that data, um, uh, the southwest is doing very well. Uh, Beaver County has continued to do really well in terms of its case counts, and we have full confidence that Beaver County will be successful in yellow. And then uh, as we uh, work out those metrics and it obtains those metrics, it'll go to green. From WTAE, local casinos have offered their thoughts on how to reopen once areas move into the green phase. That includes requiring patrons to wear masks, 
not operating poker rooms and other measures. Are there any thoughts or advice you can offer for whenever that time may be? I'm not sure I have any specific advice for the casino industry, but we'll certainly look if they publish their recommendations, and those will go to um, our staff as well as the, the governor's office staff, and we'll review them and come out with our own recommendations. Also from WTAE, we wanted to ask about people who might find themselves in an area with smokers nearby. Can coronavirus travel through smoke? I actually don't know the answer to that question. Certainly it travels on droplets and can travel through air. I'm not aware of how smoke itself will influence um, how far it goes and how it moves. So we'll have to look that up and see if anybody knows that. We certainly know that smoking is bad for your health. We certainly know that um, and damages your lungs. Of course, if you have chronic lung disease, such as chronic bronchitis or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, emphysema, uh, because of cigarette smoking, that would make you more prone to lung complications from COVID-19. So as we've been saying uh, uh, really for many years in public health, it's best not to smoke. In terms of the specific question, I don't know. We're going to have to look it up. From WESB, can you talk about the frustration concerning people who still don't understand that social distancing and wearing masks is keeping the virus from spreading as much as it could have? Well, we want to continue to put out that message so that people hear it and, 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 and learn to understand that. Um, uh, COVID-19 is a very serious threat to the public health. We have seen this with a global pandemic. It has had significant uh, effect upon the public health of the United States and of Pennsylvania. Uh, we know that it is a respiratory virus, that it's spread through respiratory droplets and through the air. Um, and so uh, it has been determined that wearing a mask uh, can be helpful that my mask protects you and your mask protects me. So for all wearing a mask, the community is more protected. It is not 100%, but it is much better if we're wearing masks. We also know uh, that washing our hands and using hand sanitizer and social distancing, keeping at least six feet apart, are very effective. None of it is 100%, uh, but we want to limit the transmission of this very dangerous virus as much as possible. And that's why I'm here almost every day repeating th those messages messages so that people understand it and then can follow the guidance. Our final question today is from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If the CDC did not mandate changing the way COVID-19 deaths were made from, uh, I'm sorry, were made from where a person died to where they resided, why make the change now? Coroners say that it makes it confusing to their constituents who want to know who died in their counties of the disease. Mm -hmm. We're not making any change, actually. We have always reported it this way. We have always reported it in terms of their residents, and that's what uh, the CDC guidance has always been, and that's how we've always reported deaths. It has always been different than the way the coroners report deaths according to their regulations and, their, uh, and, and the laws which regulate the, their reporting requirements. And so we're actually not making any changes. We're just trying to explain the difference. Thank you, Secretary. Those are That's all the time that we have for questions today. For reporters whose questions we were not able to get to or haven't been addressed, the Department of Health Communications Office will respond in the next 24 hours. Our next briefing will be tomorrow.